Welcome to the North Point Plus podcast. Uh, I am your host, Brent Conlon, here with lead pastor Rick Rubel. Yeah. This is episode number 113. It is, indeed. And you're married. I am married now. Um, well, Rick, you've been busy lately. I have. Uh, how are you settling back into life here now? Starting to feel more normal? From what? Well, you were in Sri Lanka, then you had oh. weddings, multiple weekends in a row, yeah. and opposite ends of the state. Yep. What are you, two weeks now removed from? Yeah. I'm, I, yeah well, we've been back from Sri Lanka for uh, almost six weeks now. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you've set so, back into life. Yeah, it's, now it's just time change that we're dealing with. Yeah, cool. And uh, so... Life is back to normal for you. Yep. yep. I, got, I got married since the last time I was on here. I was there. Yeah, Rick was there. It was great. <laughs> that was a good It day. was terrific. You did a great job. People, uh, well, we got a lot of good feedback on you, so thank it, you. I appreciate that. It was, uh, it's fun to do weddings where people know Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's fun to do weddings when people don't know Jesus, too, but it's just different. Do you do those? I do. Yeah, I, um, boy, welcome to the North Point Plus podcast about <laughs> wedding premarital counseling. Um, yeah, pretty much, you know, when I, first, when I first entered ministry, I took a class in premarital counseling. It was a graduate level class, and you had to formulate um, your whole protocol for doing premarital counseling. And it was a great class. And at that point, I was 23, something like that. And so I really said at that point, the only marriages that I'll perform. The only weddings that I'll do are for two believers. That's that's where I landed in the process. Well, you fast forward about, I don't know, 10 years or whatever, and I was in a church. Um, we were in Maryland, and, and I was um, I had opportunities to marry people, and I was very selective in that in, in terms of what happened. But I really had kind of a, a thought process, the, a, a change in my thought process, because it, I was doing, uh, my role there was associate minister, and part of my responsibility was evangelism. So I would go and call on people. Um, this is back when you went and visited people in their homes, sometimes even unannounced. You know, you just showed up, and they said, oh, yeah, come in and have a piece of pie. Um, and, um, they didn't hide. <laughs> they, they didn't hide, yeah, or not answer the door or whatever. <laughs> um, but I, I wrestled with, wait a second, there are these two people um, who who maybe are living together or whatever, and um, and and we're not going to do anything with them, and I'm not going to do their wedding. But if they come the next week and they're married, then we'll fully embrace them and say, "Oh yeah, everything's great." And it was like that doesn't make any sense. And so I really went through a process where I changed and said, for the most part, I will marry just about anybody that allows me to do premarital counseling with them mm. because the premarital counseling as you know, is typically six or eight sessions, and I've got 10 hours of essentially um, time to disciple people and to have the hard conversations about what what God says about marriage. And so that really kind of laid the foundation for me to be able to say, yeah. And, and the church that we were at in Virginia was a church for, for people who had never gone to church before. So, um, you know, the, the People didn't know Jesus, and doing premarital was a great opportunity to just to talk to them about about God, about God's plan for them, about marriage, and um, and so yeah, I I do. Interesting. Yeah, it made me think of something. I'm going to share because I have the mic. 
<laughs> I've been married before. Uh, yeah. And I did do premarital counseling in the Lutheran church that I grew up in. Yep. And there was a questionnaire that I filled out, and this is who I was at that yeah. time in my life. I made sure to answer all the questions on religion in a very negative way. So when he reviewed all of our questions, he said to me, doesn't seem like you are uh, really looking forward to having a, a life in the church after you get married. And uh, apparently I thought that was cool to send that message to the pastor back oh, when I was wow. 23 years old. So thank goodness life uh, that we changed. So And that God has grace. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, would you like to talk a little bit about the sermon sure. on Sunday? Yeah. Um, so we're we're in the Blueprint series uh, looking at Acts, a passage that I don't know that I've ever really heard anybody else preach on very much, those first seven verses of, of Acts chapter 6, where it, it talks about a problem that existed in the church where there were two different kinds of widows, uh, Greek, uh, Greek-speaking widows, uh, uh, Aramaic-speaking widows, and and the Greek-speaking widows weren't being taken care of. Uh, they were getting ignored in the process of the church helping take take care of their needs to make sure that they were fed, that they had what they needed, that kind of thing. And so the apostles uh, had to do something. They had to they had to problem solve. So uh, this this week's message was, you know, when there's a problem in the church, what do you do? And um, essentially, they said to the church, uh, you know what? It doesn't make sense for us to figure out the solution to this problem. As a church, you guys come up with with uh, some guys who uh, have a, a good reputation, who are full of the Holy Spirit, um, full of wisdom, and we'll let them take on this project and and take it over and and find out the solution. and And the church said, "That's great. That makes a ton of sense." And so they did. And the the cool thing was that the seven guys that they that they chose were all Greek-speaking Jews. They, they were um, of a similar cultural context as the ladies that weren't being taken care of. And so, uh, so they, they cared a ton about finding a good fix. And, um, and they did, and it, it freed the apostles up to do what God had called them to do, uh, ministry of the Word, prayer, to minister to people. Um, they were doing what God had called them to do. These seven guys began to serve in a really um, great way to take care of the widows, and um, and the result of that was that the church grew and 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 grew exponentially because of what God was doing in pe- in people's lives. So that's that's the rough blueprint, and really the the essence, the heart of what I wanted to um, communicate in the message was to come down to the end to basically say, man, God has equipped you for a purpose to serve in some way. What are you doing to fulfill that? Because those seven guys, um, prior to that time, we don't know what they were doing or not doing, but all of a sudden they were recognized by, by the church body to say, here's a, here's a real need. And what's really cool is two of those seven we hear a lot about, um, uh, uh, Stephen, which is one of those seven is is going to be the the first martyr and and his story is the next chapter in the book of Acts, um, and then Philip the evangelist is uh, God uses in a real powerful way as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed the sermon yesterday. Good. Um, we had some good conversation about it afterwards. Well, we've got a few questions here today. Are you ready to get into this? I'm 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 ready. All right, ready to rock and roll. All right. Well, the first one in quotes: uh, waiting on tables. Not like wait staff, but more like Excel. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure it, 
it's a it's supposed to be a joke. I don't know if you got that or not. Well, I was <laughs> curious about the question. <laughs> I don't know that it was really a question. I they didn't sign their name, but I love their sense of humor because because I said we hear in the New International it says that uh, the apostles say we shouldn't be waiting on tables. We need to do the ministry of the word, hmm. and we hear waiting on tables like I hear waiting on tables, and I think back about when I worked at Ponderosa. And you know you clear the tables. You you, hand, you take food to people. You you collect their dirty dishes, take them back to the to the kitchen, and um, and wash them. Uh, it's not that. It really was that they were involved in serving to make sure that all the needs of the widows were taken care of. So that would have involved a great deal of administrative task as well as the the physical interaction to make sure that the widows were taken care of. Mm. So so the whole waiting on tables is not like a wait staff. It's mm. like waiting on an Excel spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Um, it did go it's, over it's, my it's, head. It's, yeah, it's, it's humor. Yeah. It's probably a dad joke in there somewhere. <laughs> and whoever gave it, thank you. <laughs> uh, question number two. Uh, the good is often the enemy of the best. How do we know whether we're only in the good or if we've made it to the best? That's a great question. I think it I think the answer to that really involves having clarity about what God has called you to do and and focusing on that. So when when I talked about the the um funnel of focus uh, later in the message, um I think that that helps clarify what's the best and what's good, because there are lots of good things that we can do. Um, I think that it would have been a good thing for me to be a math teacher for my career. That would have been fun. I could have done that well. Could have been a football coach. That, w- that would have been a good thing. I could be coaching for Ohio State even at this very moment. Um, maybe not. Um, the, that, that all would have been good, um, but I've I really feel like God prepared me. He prepared us um, for the ministry that I have now. And, um, and so that's the best. That's the best thing that, that there could be. Sometimes we get off track because we look at things and say, oh, yeah, I can do that, um, as opposed to um, getting feedback from people who are close to us, who are trusted, that, that say, yeah, man, that really is in your sweet spot. Everything that you touch in that area, God blesses. That's a, that's a great thing. I think that kind of feedback helps us. I think uh, a lot of time spent in prayer and just listening. God, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you've called me to do? I, I think that helps clarify what the best thing is. If you think about you um, uh, with your business, um, there are lots of things that you can do. You can spend lots of time doing lots of stuff. But if you don't do the best things for your business, you're, all you're going to do is spin your wheels and you're going to run out of money um, because there are things that, that you need to do in your role as a business owner that are the best things for the business to continue to f- function and grow and, um, and serve people and uh, provide for you. Um, so uh, I, don't, I don't know that there's a... Um, just a very clear nugget to say, oh, this is how you know what's the best and what, what the good is. But I, I think if we, I think at the end of the day, if we feel like, man, I'm spinning my wheels and I'm not doing what's, what really needs to happen, that's a good measure to be able to say, yeah, I'm probably doing good things, but probably not the best things. Yeah, I, and I, w- I wonder in what I do, I mean, in what you do, obviously you're sharing 
you're spreading the word of God. It's your mm-hmm. job. Right. But for somebody like me, I it's part of what I pray for is how to how to have a business that that shows that that's how I'm living my life. You know, to have a business right. that that gives that gives off that feeling to people. How do, how do I help my employees? Um, and I've actually had this argument with my daughter before because, you know, I have discussions about people that I'm struggling with that work for me. Yeah. And she always reminds me, you know, asks me, where is God in that? How are you helping them? Um, yeah. And there's a part of me that I don't know where the line is because I don't know how far I want to cross into personal things with my employees. At the same time, if I'm not trying to bring them to God, I feel like I'm not. You're missing an opportunity. I'm not doing my best, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I really struggle with because, um, you know, I want to, I have an opportunity to impact the people that I work for and also right. conduct myself in a way when I'm in people's homes so that they can see that in me. So I have to remember that as well. Yeah, I think, I think, f- um, we haven't really clarified what your business is. Oh, well, I'm uh, a contractor. Um, and you paint and do cabinets. Yep, I paint, I paint cabinets. We do tile work. We do a lot of work, actually. We do flooring. So when I say I'm a contractor, we really do do a lot of different stuff in people's homes. I'm a carpenter. I can pretty much do most things. Um, so I would say in that kind of a business, what's the best thing? I think the best thing is that you provide a service for the people that you, that employ you mm-hmm. at a fair price that, um, that, and you do the work to the very best of your ability with integrity, mm-hmm. that you interact with people in a way that honors God, and that you interact with your employees. You you uh, uh, you take care of them in the ways that we've talked about um, from Scripture that 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 teach you about how to do that. I think when you do all of those things and and recognize that in that role, you're um, a critical part of what you do is to continue to do business. You could you could spend all of your time cleaning up your books and cleaning up your office. Mm-hmm. And those, those would be good things. Mm-hmm. But the business would die. Mm-hmm. And, and you wouldn't be able to do the things that God has called you to do as a business owner that way. And so I, I, think, I do think that, that it's not the same for everyone. Like uh, somebody else might run your business a little bit differently, and, and their best might be different than your best in terms of what God has called them to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that there really is this process that you go through of saying, God, what, what is it that you've uniquely equipped me to do that, that, um, that is going to give you the most honor in this particular arena? Um, how, you know, how do I do that? And, that, and that's the best thing. Interesting. Always uh, more challenge when I, uh, easier when I'm working in the home with people who I know share my beliefs, uh, conversations are different, things are different, but most of the people that I employ are not Christians. Yeah. And so it's, um, well, it's a challenge. Uh, I, I think that there is. Knowing what's appropriate. Yeah, I, th- I think that there's a great opportunity. I, I think sometimes in our culture, we tiptoe around too much. And I, I think that we have an opportunity to speak the truth of God, um, not in a way that is offensive where we make it offensive, but that we, that we just speak God's truth and, and do that in a very natural way, and that people then wrestle with that um, uh, wherever they are. I had a conversation last night with with somebody who was um, who was espousing a different philosophic view of um, 
uh, of important things. How about if I just say it that way? That that was coming from a, a different perspective, and and I, as we're talking, I'm praying. How can I communicate what I want to communicate to say? I don't think that you're thinking. I don't think your logic is sound, and I and I want to challenge you on that because I don't want to just say, oh yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, because it's not true. I, what they were saying wasn't true, but I didn't want to, at the same time, whack them upside the head with mm-hmm. a two by four and mm-hmm. say, that's stupid. What you think? And, you know, why do you think that? Um, and, and just pray uh, for God through the Holy, uh, for the Holy Spirit to speak through me, to, to say, you know, you can't, I don't know that that logic is sound because that's not the logic that you use in this area of your life or in this area of your life or in this area of your life. Mm-hmm. And to have them just kind of process that and mm-hmm. say, I, you know, you don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to hit a grand slam in every conversation. A lot of times I think it's a whole lot of singles, yeah. um, you know, that, that just get piled on top of each other. Well, one, one other thing on this, I, <clears throat> so my son works for me as well, and he, uh, so imagine in what he does, he's a cabinet painter, and when they're in a person's house spraying cabinets, they, they build a plastic wall around the kitchen, Yeah. and when they're in there working, he and the two young guys that work under him, pretty sure they forget that that's a thin plastic wall, <laughs> and on the other side of it, there are people that there can are hear and watch. Hear every yeah. word they say, and so my son plays worship all day, and... Um, and has a lot of conversations with those guys about his beliefs, and uh, and then I have interesting conversations with the customers about what they heard. Oh wow! And yeah. so imagine if you didn't know people were listening to you, and you were just trying to help your friends find God, and you're yeah. just having that conversation about scripture and what he's reading about that day, and he plays from his Bible app, you know, while he's at work. And for some of those customers, it's the first time they've heard something like that. Yeah, you know, maybe since their childhood. Yeah, so they love that. I assume a couple of them probably haven't loved it, but most yeah. of them they love hearing it. Yeah, I, it's it's funny. I, ju- I just had this conversation last week with with somebody where where what we talked about was I I have vivid recollection of a conversation that Deb and I had uh, about I don't know thirty years ago, thirty five years ago, something like that, mm-hmm. where our neighbors were not followers of Jesus, but th- but they were becoming just really really good friends. And Deb said, I've got to make a decision about whether I talk about church and talk about spiritual stuff with the assumption that she doesn't get it at all, or whether I talk about it assuming that she gets it. So we talked about it, and 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 Deb began to talk to her as though she went to church and as though she was um, completely devoted to God. And and I can remember Kathy lots of times just sitting and listening and shaking her head, and and um, and ultimately being drawn to, towards Jesus. She ended up um, both she and Joe um, ended up coming to know Jesus. Kathy ended up being the secretary of the church for about twenty years. Really, really cool, cool story. But it was all because we didn't create an artificial barrier. We just we just talked. You know, we were just doing us and talking about things that matter to us spiritually, and people get that because we all we all want to worship something, mm-hmm. we all do worship something, mm-hmm. um, and and so when you begin to help people just think in a bigger picture rather than than um, 
uh, you know, just living day to day, not ever thinking about eternal things, not ever thinking about things that really matter. Um, we, we just miss opportunities. So, yeah. All right. Well, moving along. Yeah. Uh, why doesn't North Point have deacons to focus on administrative needs? How can our church step up to meet more practical needs in our community and within our body of believers? That uh, Great, great question. Whoever asked, thanks so much for asking. I didn't say this in the message yesterday. The, these seven guys are um, typically referred to as the first deacons in the church, the, the seven deacons that are there. And the reason that they're described that way is because that Greek word that gets translated waiting on tables is the Greek word is diakoneo, um, diakonos, which is the word for servant, and it's also the word that's transliterated deacon. So in, in Timothy, when it talks about the qualifications for a deacon, it's the qualifications for a diaconate, for a diaconus, for, um, for a person who is a servant. So I would say we have tons of deacons at North Point. We have people who serve in very specific areas. We just don't typically call them deacons, and we don't, we don't um, embrace kind of the old school model where, where you have an elder board, a deacon board, a joint board, uh, that kind of thing. And, and the deacon is a position that people um, are elected to or appointed to as much as like I would say, and we talk about it within the eldership, that, that it really is a role that, that a function that you accomplish, not a position that you assume, if that makes any sense. So for somebody like, um, uh, well, uh, Everett Kramer uh, is functionally for us a deacon in that he serves to take care of all of our property um, here at North Point. We don't pay him. He, he just, he, that's part of what he does to serve. Um, there are, uh, John Seeger, who has been an elder in the past, he heads up our benevolence team. So anytime that there's a benevolence request, somebody comes and says, man, we're, we don't have enough money to pay our bills. We, we've got this special need that needs to happen. John leads a team of people that sits down with them uh, does an interview, um, takes takes their information and processes that to say, okay, what is it that you really need? Uh, you know, you say you need a thousand dollars, but maybe what you really need is financial counseling, or what you really need is fifteen hundred dollars, not a thousand dollars. And um, and in that way, John serves in a very specific kind of way. John and the team, and they're all deacons. They, they so we have deacons, we just don't call them that. Yep. All right. Um, question number four. Uh, how does church leadership define and recognize in others what we were talking about in the sermon yesterday? A, the full body, or how does church leadership uh, define and recognize in others? A, they're, they're full of faith. B, that they're full of the Holy Spirit. And C, full of wisdom. Yeah, uh, so, so that they've got good reputation, full of wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit. The um, So... Uh, I think I think probably the answer to that is the way they did in the first century was that they uh, just observed the way that they lived. It, it's not there's not a you know it's it's not you give a test and see how they answer to say oh do they qualify or not. It's it's what is it. I, what what is it that people think about the way that you do your work, um, the reputation that you have in the community, the reputation that you have in the church? Is this a person of integrity? Is this a person who um, 
you can just tell by the conversations that they have and the way that they live that they're in um, they're in a, a, a constant process of seeking God uh, for wisdom um, that they're that they're being led by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit stuff is I. I I want to say it's kind of easy in that if if you go to the Galatians passage where it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, um, it's easy to say, okay, is this person full of the Holy Spirit? Do they exhibit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? If so, they're full of the Holy Spirit. Um, you, can, you can see it in the way that they interact with people. I, th- I think the Probably the shortest answer to that is um, it sh- just shows up in relationships. Um, is a person full of wisdom? It it shows up in the counsel that they give to other people. Uh, it shows up in the way that they in the choices that they make in the way that they self govern themselves. It shows up in the way that they do business. It, it shows up in all kinds of things. And so um, in in a process like I love that. Um, that when we're talking about somebody at a, at a high level of leadership, we're trying to get input from a lot of people, not just, you know, whoever their, their reference is. Um, we're, tr- we're trying to get um, a sense from other people who know them. What's this person like? How do they live on a, on a daily basis? Because that's going to show whether they're living led by the Holy Spirit, whether they're full of wisdom, and, and it's going to give you a sense of what their reputation is as well. The next part of that question was, how does the church leadership uh, disciple and foster these qualities in others? Yeah, uh, that's that's a great question as well. Um, I don't think any of those things. Um, there's not a, like a there, there's not a class that you can take. Mm-hmm. I, I I would say that the that the um, greenhouse for those things happens in life groups. It happens in disciple making. Uh, relationships, dis- disciple-making friendships, getting involved, uh, getting involved, and and act, being active. I I think that there are um, greenhouse kind of events like a mission trip, uh, commercial for the mission trip meeting to go to Kenya in in uh, 2024. I think there are places that that you find yourself in you know, in a in a position in a place where you have to depend on God where all of a sudden it's not a matter of what your skill is or what your knowledge is you need God to come through and that in that context if you've got some people that you can draw on that can help you um process that that experience in a godly way that 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 gives you the ability to speak those things in, um to help people grow in those areas yeah, that makes sense. Um, it's hard to have this. Yeah, I mean, getting involved is everything, and getting to everything that you just said. It's not going to happen if a person isn't. If you're just showing up on Sunday and rushing out of here and going, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, uh, some more questions for you, Rick. Uh, first one you you came on pretty strong about no room for prejudice for followers of Jesus. Our church is basically all white. Um, do you think this is a problem for North Point? Um. I- I uh, well, l- let me just give a little bit of background. Um, uh, when Mark was here, uh, Mark and I together read a book. I, I think he fed me the book. That it was um, oh, I talked about it in a sermon. I can't uh, I can't remember what the title was. Something about race, um, and and I came out of that book and was just really convicted 
that we, you know, I've always, uh, I've always heard a church should represent the community that they're in. So if you're in a very diverse community and the church isn't diverse, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality is North Point is pretty representative of DeWitt. It's not representative of Lansing, but it's pretty representative of DeWitt in that DeWitt's a very white place. I've uh, got a friend, an African-American friend, who lived in De- DeWitt um, and just told um, nightmarish stories about living in DeWitt as a black person um, and, and the prejudice and stuff that he encountered here, which is, that's scary. Anyway, read this book. Um, I think I think the title of the book is the truth about race, and um, the uh, and so last fall, just about a year ago, I sent an invitation to I don't know fifteen twenty people who come to North Point who are not white or who are uh, part of maybe a mixed marriage, and we just had everybody over to our house, and I I just said to them I want to have a conversation because I want to listen because I assume that everything's good at North Point. Um, I assume that God's working, that people are following Jesus, and that prejudice is not an issue. But I don't know that that's—I wouldn't know if that's not true. And so you guys talked to me. And it was, it was a really, really good conversation, but it was hard in that um, some of the people said, oh, no, we don't have any issues at all. Um, you know, every interaction that we have is, is great with people, whether they were Hispanic or, or African-American, um, Asian, whatever it is. And others um, said, no, it's, it's a real legitimate problem on Sunday morning in church at North Point that, that um, when I encounter certain people, they will walk by me, not pay any attention to me. They will ignore me intentionally, and the only way that I can make any sense of that is that um, it's based on my external appearance. Um, and that was heartbreaking to hear because it was it was not an isolated instance. Like, they, they told multiple stories about stuff that had happened here. And, um, and, you know, God takes us wherever we are, and um, he draws us to him, and he changes our value system, and I, and that's why uh, part of why I felt like I just had to take advantage of the opportunity in the text to talk about that because there that should not happen. Now, f- um, for me, because <laughs> uh, because we're all prejudiced at some level of for, for whatever thing, um, I have to check myself because having grown up in a upper upper middle class white kind of environment. Um, Many things that I'm prejudiced about, I know I shouldn't be, but man, they're there for whatever reasons. So um, like it's it's really hard for me when, um, when, when, when people, oh man, I I don't want to say what's hard for me. I'll just go ahead and say it. Um, it's it's hard for me to have grace for people who who are who can't speak well, who who don't speak English, not not the English language, not like um, English. Uh, boy, this is on camera. This is really uncomfortable. It's 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 difficult for me 
um, when people choose not to be educated, that's what it, that's really what I want to say. And and say, oh, education's stupid. Um, it's really easy for me to say you don't know what you're talking about because there's lots of benefits that come from education. We're all prejudiced about different kinds of stuff. We we talked um, we talked before we started. Um, uh, Jenna, before she came, was a part of a African American church in Missouri. Um, you, before you came to North Point, were part of an African American church in in Grand Ledge. Uh, when I was in college, the church I was part of in college um, was about uh, 70, 80 percent black, 30 percent white, um, and and so we've had that kind of experience. But there's still things that that we react oftentimes in ways that we don't even recognize that assume things about other people from other cultures other that that appear differently than us and i just think it's so important for us to recognize that all of us are made in the image of god no matter whether we're black white brown yellow whatever uh it doesn't matter whether we're educated not educated whether we're um not attractive physically or physically attractive, whether we're rich or poor, you know, skinny, fat, whatever. It, God made us all in his image, and that stamp of him on us gives value to every person, and we've got to, we've got to um, interact with people. We've got to treat them recognizing that, that um, God has put his stamp on them. Yeah, interesting. I, it, it shouldn't be such a difficult subject. Well, the, the dis, any discussion about race, which obviously is always sensitive. Yeah, but a part of that, I, like when I read that, when I read that question, I think to myself, you know, the devil is at work in our society, oh. and the idea of sowing so much racial divisiveness in culture right now. Yep. Making it so that having a discussion about about race, like, I mean, I just wonder, we're two white guys talking about race on a podcast. Are we allowed to do that? <laughs> well, I, I hope so, <laughs> because I think the challenge for us is to, is to look at, in the eye, look in each other's eyes and say, we can't do that. We, we have to be different because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. We have to be different because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so that, um, I think that that demands that we ask the Holy Spirit to convict us when we, when we react in a way that's not consistent with the way that God would react. Um, we have to repent. When we do that, we have to allow God to do His work in us to change us, and um, and that when that happens, man, it is so different from the rest of the world that it draws people to Jesus. I, I, um, you know, I, I've not been shy at all to say um, the, uh, one of my good good friends, the guy I've been playing racquetball with for almost ten years, is African American guy from Lansing, and we. I, I love Wayne. Um, I love the conversations that we have because he comes from a very different background than I do. Mm. And, um, and when I sat down with him nine years ago and, um, and he told stories of first person stories of what he had experienced as a kid and as an adult because of his skin color, it just, it wrecked my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that ought not be. 
Yeah, it and ought we, not be. And we we have to open our hearts to that because I the thing I struggle with is having opinions. Having, I mean, we it's two thousand and twenty three. How how can racism like that still exist? And I hear a lot about it, and I I don't see it, and I don't experience it. But and you live in a pretty white world. I do. And so, yeah. and when I hear those things, I mean, yeah, it, it impacts me. Yeah. And it, one, of the, one of the things I love about this particular passage is, and I said it in the message yesterday, um, the passage doesn't point, Luke doesn't describe that there was anything intentional in terms of these Greek widows being ignored. It just happened. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense if you think that this is this is way reading between the lines. It's it's this is all stuff that's in white, not black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's all in the blank place that's there. If the churches in Jerusalem and the and the apostles are all from Judea and Galilee, and so the people who would have followed Jesus would have been primarily from that region. They would have been Hebraic Jews. It just makes sense that as they're taking care of the needs of widows, they're going to take care of the people that they know. That's that's where they're going to start. And they may not have even realized that the Hellenistic Jewish widows were not being taken care of. Now, the Hellenistic Jews realized that those widows weren't being taken care of. And, and, and when it was brought to their attention... The apostles rightly said, "Man, we're messing up here. We got to fix this. We got to f- we got to take care of this problem." Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't appear that there was anything malicious in in what was going on at that point in time. But it was just the natural result of uh, you know the the um, principle of homo- homogeneity mm-hmm. um, that that you tend to stick towards people who look like you who have the same kind of experiences that you do and and that when you do that it's easy to ignore the people who are different from you mm-hmm. yeah, there's a level of comfort um, homogeneity right. that's the word I wanted <coughs> you did well that's the pronunciation yeah do you have anything more you want to add on that no uh, may we be a church that is known for um, embracing people who don't look like us yeah. Um, and that that is intentional, and um, yeah, and I want to even say that we are aggressively pursuing people who don't look like us. Well, I I, w- I would say one of my um, one of the things that I wish uh, when I look back over the last nine years is that we would have been able to be more diverse as a church. That we would have been much more intentional to try and um, minister. And, and we've tried to do this in, in lots of ways, but we live in an area where there just, there's, there's not a lot of diversity. Um, but uh, I, I just, I wish there was a way because the body is better. You know, uh, when you read Revelation and it says around the throne of Jesus, there's going to be people from every tongue and tribe. Um, we miss that. It's part of why I love going to Sri Lanka, love going to Ukraine, is because all of a sudden you recognize that God's kingdom is so much bigger than people who look like me. All right. Uh, next question. How do you know when to stick to your calling, like the apostles chose to do, and when to respond to the needs that are not in what God has gifted or equipped you to do? Um, is it okay to say, no, that's not what God has called me to do when you're asked to serve somehow? So ask that question in your own words. <laughs> I don't have to, Rick, because it's there in black and white. It's already written for me. 
Um, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, you know, if a person feels that they're really, they have a strength at something, they're, they, they want to use their gifts. Yeah, I, I think I would answer the question this way. Um, there's a difference between uh, a one-time response um, and something that is ongoing that is, that's going to become a, a, a more central part in your life. So this Saturday... Um, uh, I, I'm going to go help somebody move. I'm going. It's not somebody in my life group. It's not somebody in my family. But I'm going to help somebody move. That's not my core giftedness. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a real need this weekend, and and I can meet that need, and I want to because of because of my care for for the person who's going to move. So I don't have any trouble saying, yeah, I'm going to do that. And, and what it means is that I've got to um, have all the stuff that I would normally do in that segment on Saturday morning done ahead of time so that I can do that. Now, I'm not ready to sign up to help people move every Saturday mm-hmm. for the next three months because that, that wouldn't make any sense. I, another great example of that is that, like, um, we say, Jake and I say often, um, in terms of counseling, Andy, you know, Jenna, who, whoever it is, when somebody says, hey, can I talk to you, and I, and I just need to talk to somebody who can help give me good godly advice. When somebody comes in, a, a married couple, and they're in crisis, what I usually say to them is this, hey, I don't do long-term counseling. That's not I can do that, but that's not in the, in the center of what God has called me to do. What I can do is, is what I would call crisis counseling. I can meet, you, meet with you a time or two. I can help you frame the, the, what sounds like the areas that you really need to work on, and then I can help connect you with a counselor that, that you can go to every week, every other week for the next year or two or whatever it is. To, to develop the skills that you need to to help improve your marriage or help you know help you deal with whatever it is. Um, I think that that's the right approach. I, I think when there's a need, um, I think it's a mistake to just say, nah, that's not, that's not my thing. I'm not doing that. Um, what, what I think the apostles did in Acts chapter 6 was they recognized that what needed to happen, it was going to be a long-term commitment to help take care of all the widows. And that that didn't make sense for them to do that because it, the opportunity cost was too high. Mm. And so I, I think for us, when we look at what our core sense of calling, what, you know, what God has gifted us to do, um, that's what we need to spend the bulk of our time on. But we need to serve. Um, I, you know, the the in in prepping the message um, for Sunday, it it just was really interesting to me to think, okay. What would have been? It seems like it could have been very compelling for the apostles to say, "Yeah, we're going to do that because we're going to set an example and and we're going to take a stand to say no prejudice. If we're if we're on the front lines doing that, people are going to get that this is what really matters. And Jesus washed our feet, so we're we're going to help serve in this way. They could have done that, but the opportunity cost was the wrong thing." I think if if they could have, uh, if there would have been an opportunity for them to do that, you know, f- for a one and done, for a, just a couple of times, but it was a it was a lasting problem that that needed their attention, and so they needed to stick to to what was really the heart of what God had called them to do. 
All right. Um, oh, how do you get started serving at North Point? Uh, you can reach out to. Um, you can send us a, uh, an email at info at northpointcc.org. That's, uh, I think, uh, one of the big takeaways that I didn't really talk about in the message probably enough was um, if you have a sense of calling from God to say, man, there's a problem at North Point. We need to figure out how to fix it. Uh, man, come talk to us. And let's let's just figure out if that can happen. Let's let's figure out if that's in the in the um, heart of what we're called to do as a church. You know, uh, we could do lots of good things as a church. That whole funnel of focus exists as well. You know, there's lots of options that we could do as a church. Um, and a part of my role, uh, our staff's role, is to is to say, yeah, that's a that's a good thing. That's not the best thing for us as a church. Um, but there are problems that exist that we may not know about. So bringing those problems and, and then saying, here's, here's how I think that we could meet that is a, is a big thing. Obviously, serving within the church, um, man, if, if, you've got, um, uh, if you've got a desire to serve in the tech area, uh, come talk to me, talk to Jamie, whatever. We'll find a way to help make that happen, and that would be fantastic. If, if you have a, a burden to help, um, a burden. If you have a sense of calling to to help kids learn about Jesus and and to learn to love God's word, go talk to Jenna. If you've got um, uh, the same kind of thing with teens, if you want to invest in the lives of kids when they're so impressionable as as a teenager, go talk to Andy. Uh, um, if if you're interested in helping people in their discipleship and helping take the next steps, talk to Jake about life groups, that kind of thing. Um, we we've got we've got needs for leaders uh, to deal to help people deal with addiction. Um, you know, celebrate recovery, uh, divorce care. We've got a great group that's going to people that can help minister um, through, uh, well, we don't have divorce care going right now. Sorry about that. Well, grief share, people going through grief. But all of those kinds of things, um, let us know, and and any of us on staff would love to help people take steps to begin to utilize what God has called them to. Um, we have a finance team, and so people who are numbers people, um, man, it would be great to have you involved to just make sure that we keep doing, um, that we stay right in the center of what God has called us to do. So um, uh, the biggest thing is um, is just letting us know uh, and so that we can help you take that step. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I just, I would reinforce, um, you know, we, in Rooted, um, we committed a week. We talked for a week about uh, focused on, on serving. That's one of those seven rhythms that's in rooted that says this is part of what a follower of Jesus does. A, a follower of Jesus doesn't just come and sit on Sunday morning. They engage. They serve. They serve the community. They serve the church. They they are diaconists. They you know they're 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 the ones serving, making it happen. All right, we have uh, one last question for you. If is, the if is it an easy one? I haven't read it. <laughs> Well, I read it this morning. It's been a while. Uh, If followers of Jesus are not defined by their past, does stuff that has happened in the past uh, limit how a person can serve Jesus? Can a former former pedophile work in kids' world? That's that's a, a really great question. We are not defined by our past. And there is great hope in that, isn't there? Um, that no matter where we've been, what we've done, 
God's redemption is complete. So, so when Paul writes in Corinthians and says, if any, if any person's in Christ, they're a new creation, old things are passed away, new things have come, um, that's completely true. God washes away the sins, as far as the East is from the West. He remakes us. That's such incredible good news. Um, but stuff that's happened in our past can impact how we serve in the future. And so, no, we're not going to have a pedophile working in kids' world. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's not smart. It's not wise. Um, and that it, on both ends, um, I, I think for the person who maybe has, is a pedophile, they don't want to put themselves in that kind of role. That's, that's, not, um, that's not wise for them individually either. But I think there are, the, uh, you know, s- somebody who has um, had a problem with, with uh, stealing, probably not going to have them on the finance team, probably not going to have them counting money. Not probably. We're not going to do that. Um, the, but, f- but at the same time, if I can talk out of both sides of my mouth— it's remarkable to me that a guy who murdered Christians mm-hmm. became the spokesman for Christianity and wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, the, the Apostle Paul. Because I think most of us would say, mm, yeah, no, you, you killed people. We're not going to platform you. We're not going to give you a chance to talk because of what's happened in the past. God is the one who who changes everything, and so I think that there is a there is really a constant process of of saying, yeah, okay, let's let's hear the story of how God has changed you, and and you know to be real honest about Paul, there were a number of years that the Christians were all going, yeah, yeah, let's wait and see how this all plays out. Is this really a scam or not? And um, and so. God, God does give second chances. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have carte blanche to do anything that, that you want, um, and that's okay. That, uh, oftentimes, I think maybe some of the stuff that's happened in the past that, that may limit an area of ministry for us can push us towards an area of ministry where God can multiply the gifts that He's given us in a way that we never would have otherwise if we pursued the path that we naturally wanted to pursue, it puts us in a whole new arena that he can that he can use us and bless to reach a lot more people. All right. Well, that's it. That's what we've got for questions today. Sounds. Do you have anything else you want to add? Um, yeah. Do you want to have a drink out of that cup that's in front of you? No. <laughs> <laughs> what did you? What is in this? Nothing. Oh, <laughs> this guy, so witty. I just thought that might be a fun way to finish so, the contest, the, the, the podcast. Well, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>